Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Good and Pastor Brett Bow and Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on the Small Call Articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow. I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osher. All right, welcome back, uh, fellas, as we get going on recording a new batch of episodes today. We're still hanging out in the small called or small called articles. But uh, we've moved to a new section. Ooh. Yeah. Brand new section. I can't wait for us to do like section A, part, <laughs> letter, little I, this number is, one. Yeah, this is like doing a podcast on tax law. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we could have yeah. used a different uh, naming convention in the Book of Concord, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we should do. I want to become famous for that. I we were just as we were walking over to record. There was a, a fan who uh, uh, of the podcast who saw us walking over and they saw Brett and Jason, <laughs> and they looked at me. And I'm using generic pronouns, so not to identify the gender, but this person specifically identifies as their correct gender. She said, "There we are." She says, "Oh, you're on the podcast too, Adam. I forgot." So that's what I want to become famous for. Forget this podcast. I want to be known as the guy who actually figured out how to index the Book of Concord. So what, the day we're recording this is the feast day for the Venerable Bede. That's his name. <laughs> you would be the feast day for the belligerent Adam. Is that? <laughs> that's right. Is that why we had a Chinese buffet? Yeah, Adam, Adam the belligerent. Well, the the way you describe this interaction with this individual is very much how our pre-production meeting goes. Brett and I were sitting down to lunch, and then you sat down afterwards, and we're like, oh, yeah, Adam's here, too. That's exactly... (laughs) We love you, you, Adam, and we're so happy that you are part of the the podcast. Yes. Oh, I didn't didn't realize that's what you guys actually thought. I'm out of (laughs) here. Flip the table. No, I'm still staying around. Yeah. At least for this episode. All right. Well, we're... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Enough uh, small talk. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's get into the episode here. Um, yeah, we're we're still hanging out in the second part of of this, and and just looking at uh, the work of Jesus Christ uh, specifically today, and uh, and. Yeah. So, any other words there to set us up, Jason? Justification. What the, the probably the most important part of this article after the content is the title of this article is called the chief article, and uh, the article of justification. This is what Luther says. This is where the church rises and falls. This is where the church makes its stand on the doctrine of justification. And so, right here is where, according to Luther, we stop walking in lockstep with the Roman Catholic Church, that it's now uh, the Lutherans taking their stand on justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and the Roman Catholic system of meriting the merit of Christ. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's uh, talking now, and it's interesting, we talked about the things that they didn't fight about, 
initially, and that's what we covered in kind of the last couple of arcs, is that, you know, these these doctrines that the Catholics, Lutherans, everybody agrees on. And then we get into this, and, and this is really where the rubber meets the road with justification. And I think we're going to see some things. We've, we've covered it before. It's covered, yeah, obviously, in right. other, I mean, massively yeah. in, in the yeah, Augsburg Confession. Yeah, right. And, and that's, that's a huge part of that. We've covered it. But it, it doesn't get old because it's something that we are constantly fighting against in our flesh. We are, mm-hmm. we are constantly wanting to somehow help Jesus with our justification. Well, and it's, uh, it's also like just the content of almost all the interaction that Jesus has with the Pharisees. I'm thinking, isn't it in the passage with the Good Samaritan where the lawyer is seeking to justify himself? He asks mm-hmm. Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing is what we're wrestling against when it comes to our sinful nature, is that we are always trying to justify ourselves mm-hmm. rather than to receive the justification that is bought and given freely in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I would say, you know, and this is maybe a bit cliche, but it's it's everywhere you go. You see this. You see this constant. And, and Mike Brady, I think from the Brady Bunch, I think it was him who said, wherever you go, there you are. Right, so wherever you are, there you you're fighting your own There's self. There's your trying, works righteousness, ah, exactly. Yeah. You're trying to justify yourself. There's your Good. works righteousness. Good, and and I love that about you know walking through the Book of Concord like this is. You know, there's part of me that would love to just blow everything up and just organize it according to topic. You know, say, here's what the Augsburg Confession says. Here's what the small, you know, all kind of put it all together. But there's kind of like this going through it again, maybe from a little different angle or from, uh, yeah, it's refreshing that way. So, Well, this is now at the very least our third walk through the doctrine mm-hmm. of justification because you take the second article of the creed in yep. the catechisms. You take article four of the Augsburg Confession, which is, you know, as far as the Apology is concerned, that's the bulk of the content of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. And in here, it's delineated for us again. It won't be touched on directly by the formula of Concord, but certainly the themes are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, good. Well, I'll go ahead and read here, and we can continue our discussion. Um, so it says, here is the first and chief article, that Jesus Christ, our God and Lord, was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Uh, Romans 4, 25. And he alone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1, 29. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53, 6. Furthermore, all have sinned, and they are now justified without merit by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus by his blood, uh, Romans 3, 23 through 25. Now, because this must be believed and may not be obtained or grasped otherwise with any work, law, or merit, it is clear and certain that this faith alone justifies us, as St. Paul says in Romans 3. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law, and also that God alone is righteous and justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Nothing in this article can be conceded or given up, even if heaven and earth or whatever is transitory passed away. As St. Peter says in Acts 4.12, there is no other name given among mortals by which we must be saved, and by his bruises we are healed, Isaiah 53.5. On this article stands all that we teach and practice against the Pope, the devil, and the world. Therefore, we must be quite certain and have no doubt about it. Otherwise, everything is lost, and the Pope and the devil and whatever opposes us will gain victory and be proved right. All right, that's the end of Article Article 1 of Part 2. Article 1, Part 2, good. At least in this system. system. (laughs) LB27 umlaut will be, that that will be what it will be in my 
edition. Anyway, let's go, Brad. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, so as Jason mentioned, you know, the main topic here is justification, and we thought that it would be good to start with defining justification, and I, I'm just going to be that guy, you know, right away, you know, is, isn't the def- definition of justification just as if I've never sinned? A little part of me just died when you said that. <laughs> uh, no, it's that definition is... Well, well no, not it's not necessarily wrong, well, it's, but it's it, well, it is necessarily wrong because okay. it's not complete. So right. just as if yeah. I never sinned, it only gets us half Halfway of the there. way there, and that's the problem because most of the American conception of the doctrine of justification only takes us halfway, and it uh, it's that second half that really. Uh, makes it pop. That makes yeah, it for, does. For but, us, yeah. You know, for, for by and large, I think most of generic American Christianity sees justification as a second chance to get things right. Right? You, mm. it's it's like a it's like a free pass to the starting point. Tabula rasa, blank slate. Ah, yeah. Now you're doing one. it again. Yeah, you're getting getting yeah. a second chance. Advance okay. to go. Collect your salary. Try again. Fresh you, start. And, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Right. The the whole point of justification, though, is we have to understand it in terms that Scripture defines as. The the striking thing of Article One here of Part Two of the Small Called Articles is how biblically grounded it is. Is Luther has what seven, eight, nine, ten yeah. different Bible, Bible references, references yep. in the in these five paragraphs or five mm-hmm. lines of the article. But it's it's almost as if he's trying to make a point that this is what's found in Scripture. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. So the which is so important, being this such a foundational truth. Well, it's it's because if you do not define justification by scripture, you're defining it as theories, and and this is one of the things that really grates on me as a a modern theologian, as a pastor, is immediately and and I'm really sorry to do this to our friends on the reformed end of the spectrum, but we got to stop talking about theories of the atonement. It's not a theory. It's real. You know, and, and as soon as you are removing that, la- you're moving to that language, you're making uh, justification become an abstraction. Mm-hmm. And so we can't do that. And so the the language of the Bible couches justification in terms of atonement, in terms of imputation, and in terms of grace. And that's where we make our definitions. You know, so if we really wanted to define justification, justification is the double declaration by God that we are not guilty and that we are righteous. So it's a forensic legal definition yep. based on the completed work of Jesus Christ. You say we can't go to the uh, the theories or the views of atonement. You know, there, and there are different ones out there. The Christus Victor and and uh, you know Christus Sacrifice. All of these different federal vision. Yeah, we have all of these, and you, you're correct in saying that we have to be careful in not going to theories. But what I think you're going to notice is that in the words atonement, imputation, and grace, which we're going to look at in terms of what Scripture speaks of in terms of justification, you you start to see how all of those you know, quote unquote theories form, but just sticking with the scripture, I think is going to give us a better, clearer, fuller picture of what it is that God is doing. And that's the key here that God is doing it. Not somebody else, not us, not anybody, you know, outside of us, except for Christ himself doing the work of the atonement, uh, the imputing of the, the righteous of the grace to us, uh, and, and that it's purely by grace and not by works. Yeah, and I'm certainly no expert on any of the theories or the you know the views of atonement. I, I I'm aware of kind of their conceptual framework, and that's about it. But from my perspective, in assessing this, is what 
you know, like Christus Victor or Federal Vision or, or whatever they might be, they take an aspect of justification and they amplify it at the expense of the rest of the truth. And they make it the thing. Yep. Exactly. And that's the danger of any time in theology when we when we amplify one characteristic. And that's true of not just theology. That's really true of anything. And we, we actually, as a society right now, are, are very bad at this. We are absolutely constantly wanting to narrow down topics to bite-sized chunks that seem to make sense in a in a vacuum like 288 characters or so yeah something like that <laughs> limited to 288 characters and yeah electric vehicles yep. and things yeah theology by motto or slogan rarely ends up well it's quotable yeah it's simple sells books yeah it sells books but you the it's got to find the tension we got to live there we got to make sure we understand the nuance and then we can you know it's not that Lutherans disagree with Christus Victor. Christ won the victory on the cross and with the empty tomb. And there are implications uh, from that for the life of a Christian. We should absolutely celebrate that. But that doesn't make it the primary or right. only focus of justification. Kind of like uh, you know, how <clears throat> they talk about glory, yeah. know, glorifying God. Yeah, and, and yep. it's like if you take Jesus as our federal head, like the way mm-hmm. there's some wings of the Reformed Church talk. It's not that Jesus isn't our representative, but what he did on the cross in the empty tomb is so much more than him merely being our representative. Certainly substitutionary atonement is a part of justification, you know, if not the central part, but we've got to ter- talk about terms of atonement, we've got to talk in terms of double imputation, we got to talk in terms of grace, mm-hmm. and we get those three points so- sorted out, then we have a spectrum or a sphere by which we can understand everything else going on with the doctrine of justification. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's let's do that. Let's, let's take atonement first, and, you know, still being that guy, you know, is this at one mint? Oh boy, there yeah. it is. Uh, oh. A second part of me just died. Thank you for that. I'm Brit. just trying to kill you today. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the idea of atonement is that there is wrath that needs to be satisfied. God's wrath needs to be satisfied, and so he demands a blood sacrifice. And and really, uh, the, the big one for... De- denying the importance of substitutionary atonement, that goes back under the Lutheran umbrella, and it's really kind of an embarrassment for us. But if you take the theology of Gerhard Ferdi, Ferdi taught that the atonement was not necessary for salvation, that God could have saved us in any way. He just chose not to, and that just flies completely in the face of what Scripture teaches us about atonement. Mm-hmm. I, I think when we, I think of atonement, you you make fun. We we say yeah, that. Yes, Isn't yeah. that actually though where the word came from? Wasn't it? As I understand the word into English, atonement actually was. And this might completely be old wives' tale. I have no idea, actually. <laughs> but I think that who was it that wrote the first English Bible? There wasn't a proper English. Wycliffe? Yeah, Wycliffe. He was the one who came up with the word because there was no English word to describe this at one, to be at one with God. So this idea that you're describing is like propitiation, which is a noun. It's a sacrifice given to a God. And the idea is one of expiation. So your sins are wiped clean and satisfaction that God is satisfied with you. It's that picture of becoming one with God. So I actually, as much as we make fun of that, I think that actually is how the word came into English. Am I right, Jason? I have no idea. I think you should Google it. Not now, because the clicking yeah, would bother the yeah, listeners. Because yeah, we're recording it, it, a it, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it, it may be helpful as a, like a starting point well, for it, the discussion. But it, yeah, yeah it, it's helpful to kind of be a launching pad yeah, for what we're talking yeah. about. But the the atonement 
comes from the, the reality that all sin is punishable by death. Right, so that goes all the way back to Genesis two, the the very first word of law that was given to mankind, given to Adam and Eve, was you may eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden, but if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Right, and so that pairs up very nicely with Romans six twenty three: the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Very good. So it's that there's a blood sacrifice that satisfies God's wrath. Mm -hmm. But what we find right in the middle of all this in Hebrews is that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins. And so there needs to be a substitute for us that satisfies God's wrath. You know, so, you know, we've talked on this podcast several episodes ago. Is this like, uh, if, uh, you know, I cause one of your children to die. And I oh, I'm sorry, here's a puppy. Doesn't do it. It's not the same thing, right? No. So it's, why would we ever have thought that the blood of bulls and goats could stand in our place? And it turns out it was never supposed to be an end. God says that this was always pointing forward to the promise of Christ. And the Israelites of the Old Testament went off the rails when they thought it was an end in and of itself. That, oh, look, I can go sin, and as long as I can kill this bull, then I'm covered. And that's to miss the mark, Mm -hmm. is that our sin demands death because that is the just punishment of the law for, from God's perspective. And so from, from, as I teach this, as I understand this, how it works for me is I tie it all together with Romans 3.26. And I think Romans 3.26 is immensely important in this discussion for understanding atonement because in Romans 3.26, after the great justification passage of Romans 3, said God has done this so that he might be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. And the idea is that God's grace and mercy has to operate in his concept of justice or he ceases to be God. Mm-hmm. And so the miracle of God's grace is not that he's ignoring our sin or not that he's pretending our sin doesn't matter, is that our sin has been legally paid for by the sacrifice of someone else. And that's where you get not only atonement, but you get substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. Have you guys wrestled with how maybe in your interactions with people outside the church that just struggle with that idea of, you know, the, all the blood talk and, uh, yep. yeah, I guess any thoughts on how to speak in that way? In my understanding of that, and I have not, I've heard it. I've heard people talk about it. Um, one, one person I know and care about deeply despises the song. There is a fountain filled with blood flowed from Emmanuel's oh, veins. Wow. Mm-hmm. When sinners plunge beneath the flood, you know, I lose all their guilty stains. Uh, that, language is very tough for people to hear. It's gruesome. It's bloody. People don't want to say it. But I think that there's an aspect... The father is like a child abuser, you know, those kinds of things. Exactly. And I think that that would be, uh, it would be fine. And two two things here. One, it upsets our our sensibilities. We We don't like that kind of thing unless you're in you know gory movies or things like that we are we are uncomfortable unless you're what is it benicio del toro or yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly i i forgot that's like how do you pull those names out i don't understand like i know who you're talking about now but i never would have come up with that but yeah like those those movies that you think okay for me i i don't love that but there is something to this that we are to be uncomfortable 
This shouldn't make us comfortable. This We shouldn't look at the cross and say, oh, how sweet. It, there is a sweetness in what God did for us there. But what it took is a, to fully describe what it took to pay for sin, the Savior had to bleed. He had to die. And the second part that we have to be careful of when we talk about a bloodless atonement, which is what a lot of people fight for, including in some strands of Lutheranism. Yep. Okay? We have to be careful with this. And the problem with that is, the scriptures just don't allow it. They just don't allow it. When you look at what the nature of the sacrifice was, and, and Jason, you rightly related to Hebrews, right? You yeah. talk about um, the blood of bulls and goats could never satisfy sin. It also says in there that um, that the shedding, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. I think I'm quoting Romans, or excuse me, Hebrews, Hebrews 9.22. Yeah. So I, I, that whole picture of of uh, bloodless atonement is is all sweet and fine when we want to turn our eyes. It's, it's like we don't want to realize how ugly our sin was. No. We don't want to recognize what it actually costs, and so we want to avert our eyes. But Scripture, like a mirror, holds it up you know, to us to show us who we are, and then it points us to the one who paid for our sin. And that, that leads us to imputation quite nicely mm-hmm. because the reality of Jesus' crucifixion is either he dies or you die. There are no other options. Mm-hmm. At the either he dies or you die, and that's where imputation comes in because Jesus takes our place on the cross, and so God counts him guilty instead of us. So, you know, a lot of times I hear again justification only described yeah. as one aspect, one aspect is yeah. that God looks at you and says not guilty. Mm-hmm. He does, but I, he I, also I looks second, at you yeah. and says righteous. Yeah, you're, and you're, so that at yep. when you are justified uh, at the at the moment you come to faith you are simultaneously not guilty of the sins you have committed and you are simultaneously perfectly righteous as if you had perfectly fulfilled all of God's law because that's what Jesus did for you both of those are immensely important because if Jesus like the tabula rasa like you said just resets it well you're going to screw it up again and then you're going to screw it up again and you're going to screw it up again and and what's so interesting about that is the American church will talk about cheap grace all the time. Hmm. And the only way grace is cheap is if we treat it cheaply of saying grace permits me to sin. Mm-hmm. And you have that, just that reset. I sin, God forgive me. I sin. And, and you hear that phrase. We've you know, got a good relationship. Good at, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. good at sinning. God's yeah. good at forgiving. Yes. It's a beautiful relationship. That cheapens grace. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah, the imputation, you know, the, we talk about that in, in Romans when I teach the, the students about it. We talk about it and compare it with infusion. Imputation versus infusion, those are two different terms. They, and a lot of times we're talking about with grace, and I think we will touch on that in, in the future. But the idea of imputation, it's, it's inputted into me. It's, it's given to me. And the illustration that I use for the students is they're wandering around the room, and I, and I, have, I select a couple of students that I know are probably a little bit more fleet of foot than the others. No, maybe not that. I don't know. But I have them wander around the room with their eyes closed. I'm holding a pen. They need the pen. They need to get to the pen and find it. But with their eyes closed, I'm continually with my eyes open, running away from them. They can't find me. They can't get there, right? It's like an unfair game of Marco Polo. It is. It's exactly (laughs) an unfair game of Marco Polo where I don't say Polo back. Yeah. No. So the idea is that uh, I, I go then and I set that pen in their hand. And I, I tell them to open their eyes. That's what the imputation is. It's not anything we can find on our own. And that's why justification is all Jesus and none us. He has exactly what we need, which is perfection, which he gives to us. Uh, but he takes everything that we 
we uh, that separates us from God at the very same time, that double imputation. He takes everything away that we that separates us from God, gives us everything we need for a right, perfect relationship with him. And, and that's exactly what justification is all about. It's all about Jesus. And there's massive comfort in this. There's massive comfort in what this is, you know, what this teaches in the sense that I don't have to do it. And, and, and all of a sudden that, that revolving door, that treadmill that we're on where we're running, trying to get somewhere, just always trying to justify ourselves, right? We, we need to hear this all the time. God has done in Christ everything all said and done. And it wasn't until, and, and there comes times in our lives. And I think this is true. You can correct me guys if I'm wrong. But I think in everybody's life, there are moments of anxiety that aren't just necessarily due to uh, guilt over sin, but a lot of times it is in some way, shape, or form. That permeates our life in a deep way. But that anxiety is calmed when we remember, ah, he's mine and I'm his, and he's given me everything that I need and taken away everything that I, I don't. And when you when you can think of that, that's where anxiety goes uh, goes away, and that's a practical application of this. It's it's that guilt over sin that we're talking about guilt specifically, but a lot of it is us trying to to run on that treadmill. That's where a lot of our frustrations, that's where a lot of our struggles come from. I'm not saying every mental health struggle comes from this, but I'm saying that ultimately the the misunderstanding of justification only leads to anxiety and, and hurt and fear. And the correct understanding of justification only leads to comfort and peace and joy. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Well, uh, maybe that's a good place to end for this episode. Um, yeah, we were we're almost done talking about those three. I guess we'll have well, to pick we'll up next time. We'll talk about grace next week, grace, and that'll yep. be a great launching point into the application of justification yeah. for the Christian life. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You are invited to the Summer Institute of Theology, August 7th through the 11th at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Join pastors and lay people from around the country for training in apologetics, congregational leadership, systematic theology, and studies in the Psalms. Find a full list of electives and registration information at flbc.edu slash SIT. God bless you and have a great week.